Let's read the word. Psalm chapter 1. Look for the two paths. This is a great passage to memorize. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I'm going to read the first few verses again in the NIV. You can see a few different words, same, same thoughts. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Now here's your, your Holman Christian standard. This is what Brother Wade preaches from on Sunday morning. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. And he'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. So, two paths. One leads to delight, one leads to destruction. One leads to life, one leads to death. Now here's what the enemy wants us to think. And here's what the the, the ungodly or the wicked and the sinners and the scoffers or the mockers, scorners, want us to believe. They want us to believe that God's law restricts us from having a good time. That God's law restricts us from enjoying life. I used to be there. Maybe you were too. I thought, you know what? God's word is a bunch of do's and don'ts that keeps you from doing anything fun. But that's because I had the wrong heart. This person says that that is not the way to happiness or to complete joy, to being blessed. The way to being blessed is by loving God's Word and living according to God's Word. You think all the way back to the garden, the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that you can't touch the fruit? God's holding something back good. If He knows if you eat it, you're going to be like Him. So the, the first man and woman decided to doubt God's goodness, to doubt His instruction, and to take the advice of the ungodly, the wicked, and the scornful, and to disobey God. 
And did they, did they get led to a path of joy? No. Did they become more like God? No. They became more like Satan. They were already created to be like God. But they doubted God's goodness in His Word. See, God's Word is not restrictive. It's life-giving. God's Word keeps blessing. Every day we are tempted to doubt God's Word. Every day we're bombarded with ungodliness. Every day we're bombarded with mockers and scorners that are going to mock God's ways. Look at the progression. The sinful. Sorry. The ungodly. The sinners. And then the scoffers. The one who walks, then stands, then sits. Some would say that those three things are meant to just be, just to intensify ungodly people. But I really do think that there's, you read the book of Proverbs and you see the fool described in many different ways. The fool is the person who says in his heart there is no God. The fool is the person who does not believe God's word or live by God's word. The fool is the person who scoffs and mocks. The fool is the person who doesn't keep the word of God. But it's described in several ways. Now, tonight, I think that the first category are the people who just, they don't have God in their life. They don't walk in the counsel or in the instruction or in the ways of the sinful or the, the uh, ungodly. Those without that relationship with God. We get to walking with those who don't walk with God. We tend to start being a little bit more comfortable with sin. And next thing you know, you're standing instead of walking in that same path with sinners. Sinners are those who actually transgress God's word. So it's not just not having the standard, but it's actually breaking the standard. And then the scoffers are actually the people who mock God's word and mock those who live by God's word. They scoff and they mock and they try to lead other people astray. You know something that really just baffles me and actually just really irks me? Are the, not just the atheist who's like, you know what, I don't believe that there's a God. I feel, I, I, I feel for them. But there are actually atheist evangelists that are trying their hardest to lead people to follow them in their atheism. They're scorners. They're mockers. They're mocking the Word of God. They're saying stuff like this. They say, I've heard this, one of these famous atheist guys, it is child abuse to raise your children in church because you're not allowing them to naturally just figure out what they want on their own, but you're indoctrinating them with false things. That is a mocker. That is, that's a, that's, to me, that's the progression where you're sitting in the seat of mockers. And you know where their path heads? Where it goes? To destruction. To destruction. Y'all see that? Now, next one. Blessed or happy or deeply joyful is the man who does not do these things, but where's his delight? The law of the Lord. His delight. Now, he delights in it so much that he does what? He meditates on it day and night. 
You know, you can read God's word broadly and get a good, broad overview of Scripture. And you should. And you can have another time in the day where you study it, where you're reading two or three, four or five chapters in the morning, and then you're like, man, I'm going to circle this, and I'm going to come back and study what it says, because I need to know what that word means. I need to know what, what, what that phrase is, and I don't remember what that was in the Old Testament. And you begin to study it for better understanding, and you should. But until you meditate on it, it's hard for the word to go from your head to your heart. So what meditation helps us do is to take what we've heard the illustration like a cow chews cud. Chewing on it over and over. All day and all night. It's kind of nasty, I know. But you know how cows, they chew on it and then they swallow it. Well, later on they regurgitate it and they chew on it some more, right? They got all these stomachs and it's getting passed from stomach to stomach. I know it's nasty, I know. But you know what? If you study the Word in the morning, when you're riding down the road, you can regurgitate it and chew on it some more. When you're laying in bed, you can chew on it some more. When you're, when you're having a bad day, you can take that passage that you hid in your heart years ago and pull it up and chew on it some more. There are people who go to other countries and they get locked up for being a Christian and they're stuck in the cell with only what they've memorized and they get to meditate on God's Word. And I submit to you, they probably get every ounce out of it that you could. And I, maybe you, we neglect to chew on God's Word. Here's what I was thinking about. If meditation is taking what we have learned in God's Word and kneading it, kneading it like you would dough into our soul, it produces worship. It produces desire. If we're neglecting to do that, then we're missing out on so much richness in our personal study. Now, you say, well, I got a pastor, and he feeds me. Praise God, he does. We got 640 a.m., I get to hear all these awesome preachers. I got podcasts. I listen to some really good preaching. One of the things I do when I take a Sabbath is listen to sermon after sermon. And I get my soul fed by listening to good preaching. My buddy Slim told me a quote from Adrian Rogers. He said, a garden is pretty if you have a garden. But when you plant it, those flowers are a lot more pretty. You know what I'm talking about? When you plant that flower, it's more pretty than if somebody else planted it. And he said, you can get... You can get good stuff from the preacher, praise God. But you can find it too, and it's even sweeter when you find it yourself. And you're not finding it yourself, it's the Holy Spirit that's showing it to you. But you know what I'm saying. So, what, this is what I was thinking about. If you ever hear a sermon that really just, you're like, man, that was so insightful. We might use words like deep. That was so rich. Or you hear a song and you're just like, good night. That song was so heavenly. It was so beautiful and so deeply doctrinal. And so it just, it just gets you, man. It gets you. It helps you worship. You know, you, know, you know those certain songs that just really grip your soul and just bring you to heaven? And those sermons that really speak to your heart? Those are the product of songwriters and pastors and Bible students that, that meditate deeply on God's Word. You and I can do that too. Here's the danger. 
We're too stinking busy. And we are so distracted. Not just by the sinners and the, the, the scorners, but just by life. And we tell ourselves, man, if I get up 15 minutes and I read the Bible for five and I pray for two and I, and I journal for a few minutes, I'm good to go. And praise God, do that. But take it with you and chew on it all day long. Now, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to meditate just for a little while on this passage, okay? Just to practice. Meditate. Here's how you can do it. You think through the words, all the ways they might apply. And then you think about your own life. What does this mean for me and how do I live it out? And then you think about, you know, how does this affect my relationship with Jesus? How does this strengthen my walk with Christ? And you pray. And you turn that meditation into prayer and into praise. So let's think about it. Delight. The blessed man is the one who delights in God's word. Well, the opposite of delighting in God's word would be what? Sir, don't read it, don't love it, don't enjoy it, don't, don't, uh, what, treasure it? It'd be disobedience, the opposite. Now, he delights in God's word. He trusts God's word. He desires God's word. He wants God. He knows that God's word is to know the heart of God. To know his word is to hear what he has to say. Jesus said, what's in your soul, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. God's word tells us the heart of God, the mind of God. He sees God's word not as a duty, not as a chore, not as a burden, definitely not restrictive, but joyful and good and desirable. He sees the benefits of God's word. What are some things that you delight in? What bring you joy? This isn't a guilt trip. I delight in cheesecake. I delight in Uncle Lou's fried chicken. I delight in barbecue. Told you that last time. I saw Dale. Dirty Dale. Dale told me about this, this smoked barbecue meatloaf at the Memphis Barbecue Company. So I told my buddy Matt about it, and he said, I got to have some. And I said, well, let's go. So me and Matt went up there to get some. And you know what? They were out. And I was so disappointed. Well, here comes Dale. He's already eating. Guess what Dale had? He had the meatloaf. <laughs> I love barbecue anything. I told you. I tried to get Megan to let me but smoke the apple pie, but she wouldn't let me do it. And I bet you it'd be good. Smoked apple pie would be good. I delight in those things. It brings me joy. I delight in my family. I delight in my children. Sometimes, if they're obedient, I delight in my dogs. Never hardly delight in my cat. <laughs> Especially at three in the morning. What do you delight in? What brings you joy? What does that word delight mean? And what would it look like if you delighted in God's word that much? You know how you show everybody pictures of your grandchildren? Or your baby? Or your dog? You know how you talk about that barbecue that you had that was so stinking good? You know how you talk about that cheesecake? You have that bite of that first, that first bite of cheesecake and you become a cheesecake evangelist. I was like that with Uncle Lou's. 
I didn't find out about Uncle Lou's. If you never had it, you should have it. It's his sweet and spicy love. And it is divine. I didn't find out about it until about a week before I was moving out of the country. And I was like, that's just not fair. Thought about it for three years. It's one of the first places I ate when I got back in town. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. I delight in Uncle Lou's. What if we delighted in God's Word that much that we just could not get it off our minds, we could not get it off our heart, and we could not get it out of our lips? What if every time we talked to somebody, it was, man, let me tell you what Jesus showed me this morning. Man, let me tell you how good God is. Man, I was chewing on God's Word, and He showed me something new. There are riches yet to be found in the Word of God. I don't know if it was Adrian Rogers. Some preacher, not me, said it like this. The Word of God is so accessible that even a child can wade in it, but so deep that a scholar can drown in it. It is so rich. It is so available. And it's not just a, a duty. It's not just a, 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 a discipline even. It's, not, it's not, definitely not just a religious practice. It is an invitation to know God. You've heard about general revelation and divine revelation. General revelation is creation. To see creation says there must be a creator. Somebody spoke those stars into existence. Somebody created the eyeball to see, understand. Somebody made me to enjoy a nice, cool morning. Somebody put a conscience in my head, in my heart. There's a creator, but God's special revelation. His Word tells us who He is and what He's like and why we should seek Him and how we can find Him and how we can enjoy Him forever. And when we have, listen, you're going to have bad days on this earth. Probably more bad days than good days. Because we're not home yet. We are not home yet. And on those horrible days, the worst days that we can possibly imagine, God's Word is right there, ready for us to meditate on it and to learn more about Him in that moment and to be like Job and say, naked I came into the world and naked I'll leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Word of God. You know what? He finds us in those deep, deep, dark, sad moments and He wraps His arms around us through His Word. He teaches us of His character and He reminds us of His closeness and He he lifts our eyes to the hills where our help comes from. He reminds us to fix our eyes on the heavenlies where Jesus has already conquered the battle and He's sitting up there at the right hand where the work is finished. He's waiting on us for eternity and it helps us to say, on the best day and on the worst day, man, come Lord Jesus, come. I can't wait for eternity. I can't wait one day. You might be at my funeral. And I want you to tell everybody, Trey is where he wants to be. And it's because God's Word has shaped my thinking. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of this flesh. I want heaven. And while we're here, the more we meditate on His Word, the more we look for heaven. Did I die? Nope, I'm good. Okay. I'm not going to yell all night. You don't have to kill me. That's good stuff, y'all.
That's delighting in the word for what it is. The mind of God, the heart of God, and taking it and pressing it into our soul and worshiping him accordingly and trusting him. And you know what happens? I learned this early, early, early on in my walk with Jesus. And when you're a brand new believer, it seems like it's so much easier to meditate on God's word because everything's so fresh and so new. And the longer you walk with him, it seems like you just got to dig a little deeper. But that's okay because it's there. It just takes a little bit more time. It takes a little bit more effort, a little bit more faith, but it's there. But I remember early on learning this. The more you're in the word, the more you see who Jesus is. And the more you see who Jesus is, the more you love him. And the more you love him, the more you want to live for him. And the more you want to live for him, the less you want to live for yourself. And then you start to say, wow, I'm having victory in my walk with Christ. I don't want those things that distract me from him. I want the things that lead me closer to him. And there's victory in walking with Jesus. Jesus said, abiding in him. He's the vine, we're the branches. If we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. So the, the blessed man is the guy who abides in Christ. How? By meditating, delighting in the word and meditating on it day and night. What does it look like to meditate on God's word day and night? What does it look like? All right, so let's meditate. This isn't some Eastern mysticism, hum, empty your minds. This is fill your mind with God's word and think about what it might mean. This is, this is chewing on tape. What does it look like for you to meditate on God's word? Well, let's think about what it might mean to meditate, to think deeply, to think longly, to, to mull it over. The, the Hebrew word could even be transfer, translated mutter. You ever seen somebody that's deep in thought and they're talking to themselves? Muttering over God's word? Does it mean this? Does it mean that? God, I don't know. Just, just, <laughs> I got a friend, he talks to himself all the time. If you know him, it's okay. But if you don't know him, it's kind of creepy. And my, my other friend went on a mission trip with this guy. And I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But it's so funny. And if you knew the guy, it's so much more funny. But when he gets tired and delirious, like, like if you're changing time zones by 12 hours. And you're on a plane, jet lag. He talks to himself even more. <laughs> so <laughs> my buddy that was telling me about it was watching this happen. He's sitting behind him on the plane. He booked tickets and intentionally booked them apart from each other. <laughs> that might tell you something. And the guy's up there rocking in his chair, just muttering, talking back and forth to himself. And he's like, ha, 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 laughing. And he's just, he's having a great conversation. He's talking to himself and he's even laughing. And my buddy's watching this. And the guy next to him's like, keeps getting further and further away in the seat. Like, what's wrong with this guy? That's what it's like to just mull it over. Almost even muttering to yourself, thinking about it, chewing on it. What could it mean? So when you meditate on something, you, you do it all the time. You got to think about stuff during the day. I think it's probably a good little barometer, if you will, on where our heart is. Sometimes you're watching a fascinating uh, documentary or a fascinating, even maybe just a, a well-done TV show. And you find yourself throughout the day, I wonder what's going to be happening next. Or, man, that was crazy. I didn't know about that. Or, man, you know, you're just kind of 
thinking about it. You're looking forward to it when it comes on again. You remember back in the day before we had Netflix and we actually had to wait a week? <laughs> Man, those were horrible times. <laughs> now I just like watch the whole thing in like two, two days. What is, you, you're thinking about it over and over and over. I remember going to seminary. And I remember studying God's Word. And I was so excited because I, I basically had felt called to ministry. I went back to college so that I could get a bachelor's degree so that I could go to seminary and, and do my, my real study. That's what I was thinking. So here's what I did. This is, this is extra. Um, here's what I did. I had all these hours, and I sat down, and I got an education. Uh, what do you call it? course like thank you kind of like a syllabus like the what do you know like you know when you have help me out coach when you have uh your courses what you have to have for this this major what you have to have for this major and I got like I got education I got business because I had had all these random classes and then I got uh liberal arts or you got basically it's a bachelor of nothing (laughs) three minors instead of and instead of a major and so I checked off everything I had on each one of these courses. And guess which one I got, had the most towards? The bachelor's of nothing. But it didn't matter because all I wanted to do was get to seminary. And I remember my, my first week of seminary walking around with the biggest smile you could possibly have. And I saw Jason Ford. He had already been there for about a year before me. And I saw him in the hall one day. I was like, isn't this great, man? This is so cool. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> now, after the Greek set in and all that, I wasn't so enthusiastic but I was always, like, I remember thinking, man, I, this is what I wanted to study. This is why I took all those courses at Ole Miss to get to seminary. I couldn't believe that I was, I mean, I was writing papers on the book of Philippians. That's what we did in Greek. We translated the book of Philippians over a year. And I loved every minute of it. I was meditating on God's word and getting a grade for it. And I was so excited. You've had seasons where you're so excited about God's Word. You just can't get enough of it. You close the Bible and, and you call somebody to talk about it. You, you tell your spouse what, you, what you're learning. You tell your buddies what you're learning. Those are sweet, sweet seasons that really, really help us draw near to the heart of God. Okay, I'm going to say this. I give you illustrations about myself because that's what I know. I don't want to say this in a, in a boisterous way. I'll say this. Before I was saved, I never sang and I did not read. I, didn't, I remember thinking, man, if I'd have got saved in school, I bet I'd have made better grades because <laughs> I started reading. You know what I mean? Like I never, ever, ever read. But once I got saved, I had something to sing about. I don't sing well, but man, I sing loud because I love to praise Jesus. And I was so excited to sing. And I was so excited to read the Bible. I, 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 re- I went home. I, like, I woke up an hour before I had to be at work, and I read the Bible. And I, and I, and I just couldn't wait till my lunch break. And I had an hour lunch, and it only took me about 10 minutes to eat. And I didn't want to be sitting with the scoffers in the lunch room. So I'd go out to my truck, and I'd read the Bible. And I couldn't wait to go to bed at night. I'd get in my bed and I'd get the Bible and I'd read the Bible. And I spent so much time in the Word. And about a month into this thing, God was growing me by leaps and bounds, by the way. Before I was saved, I was struggling with all kinds of of bondage. 
And when I surrendered to Christ, he began to change my desires. And as I read the word, it fueled just freedom. Freedom. The scoffer says the word of God restricts you. The one that delights in God's word said, I became a slave of Christ and he set me free. You see the difference? I was riding down the road after this, this short period of time of starting to read after never reading. And the street signs would be blurry. I'd be like rubbing my eyes. I'm like, what is going on? I went to the eye doctor and they tested my eyes and said, your eyes are fine. I said, no, they're not fine. I can't see right. The eye, even the signs are blurry. And they said, well, hmm, you've been reading more lately than normal? I said, oh, yeah. I never read before. And now I can't get enough of the Bible. And he said, well, your eyes are strained. He said, picture it like straining a muscle. You know, you're not used to using it and you use it too much. And then all of a sudden it strains it. Your eyes have to get caught up. That's, that's, that's how you know there's a God in heaven. That Trey Clinton read so much that his eyes were strained. <laughs> because I did, I can't stress to you enough, I did not read. Maybe the footnotes, <laughs> or no, cliff notes, the cliff notes to get through a class, but I did not read. I even used my same, uh, my term paper I did my senior year, I used it in my, my freshman year of college and my sophomore year of college. I just kept revising the thing. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't read. I didn't want new knowledge. I didn't read. But man, when I found out that's where you find God, I couldn't get enough. But somewhere, that newness and that fascination, it begins to wane. It begins to wear off. It begins to, it begins to be a little bit too, take more time and effort. It's easier just to listen to the preacher preach and, you know, to read the Bible and to study it, to look up what the definition of the word is. But if you're like me, it's all too easy to skip that, 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 that step of meditating on it. And pressing into your soul and worshiping Jesus for who he is and what he's done. See, you remember the Beatitudes when Jesus said, Blessed is the man who does this. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek. They inherit the earth. And all. You're supposed to know it, right? I don't remember it. Blessed. This is the same kind of word. This is what you would have translated the, this Hebrew word into that word in the Greek. It's where we get Beatitudes from. Blessed. Well, the only person that's going to be blessed is whose sins are forgiven. And the only person who's going to delight in God's word is whose God has already changed his heart. The, the two paths are this. The person who has a heart of stone and the person who has a heart of flesh that came by God. The person who loves God, well, hates God or loves God. The person who delights in the word is the one who's been redeemed. Because he knows that God's word gives life. He knows that God's word brings good things, not restrictions. You know what I mean? Maybe you've even thought before you didn't think you wanted God's will because it might not be good. Like tonight when I said, please pray that God calls out missionaries from our church during the GIC. And you might have thought, oop, hope it ain't me. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all, God's will is so good. His word is so rich. And if we'll follow him and listen to him, it's so 
worth it. it he gives us life. And I hadn't even got to the good stuff, y'all. <laughs> You're just, I got I to gotta wrap it up. The person who meditates on his word day and night, day and night, is like a tree. Here's a simile, right? Simile uses like or as. Is that right? Is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. And what he does, he prospers. This word prosper, I think in the, in the original Hebrew mind, didn't necessarily mean material wealth. These are people who prospered living in tents, <laughs> right? I mean, have a bunch of goats and you're very materialistically prosperous. But this prosper was somebody who was respectable. This is somebody who lived according to God's word and people knew that they could trust the words that came out of his mouth because he was a man of integrity. That was prospering. This person bears fruit. So I've been a Christian for nine months. I was a Christian for nine months. And I went on my first international mission trip, went to Zambia in Africa. And they took me to the Zambezi River, to Victoria Falls. You ever heard of Victoria Falls? It's one of the, the natural wonders of the world. It's the widest undivided waterfall in the world. And when you're driving up on this thing, and we went during the drought season, so I'm talking about like drought, like no rain. Like you'd see clouds in the sky and you'd ask a local person, is it going to rain? And they're going to laugh at you like, oh, it ain't about to rain. It ain't going to rain for two months. Dry. So dry that there's dust like, like an eighth of an inch thick on all the leaves. Dry. Dry. You're driving towards this, this Victoria Falls and from miles and miles away, it looks like a fire because of the mist from the waterfalls. Whatever the native language is, I don't know what the word is, but it translates, that what the native language calls Victoria Falls, it translates the smoke that thunders. Because the mist, the mist looks like smoke, and the falls, this mile-wide waterfall, mile-wide waterfall is pouring over these monstrous cliffs, and it is thundering. Thundering. Well, guess what? There's always a rainbow. And everything around that area is like a rainforest all the time. It is lush. It is lush. There's no dust. There's no withered up leaves. The leaves never wither. And the fruits bear, the trees bear fruit in season. The monkeys love it. I don't like monkeys anymore. I used to think they were cool, but I don't like them. Because the trees produce fruit, but the fruit isn't for the tree's sake, really. I mean, I guess for, for them to make more trees, but the monkeys are enjoying the fruit off the trees. When we are like someone who delights in God's Word, and when we meditate on God's Word, we are firmly planted, secure, and we are constantly fed by the river of life. We are constantly nourished. Our leaf does not wither. We bear fruit. And that fruit blesses others. You see that? So you got two paths. 
path that leads to destruction and the path that leads to delight. The one who delights in God's word will be satisfied. But the wicked are going to perish. The wicked are like the shaft. So you got a tree that's lush, that bears fruit, whose leaf never withers, but you also have the wicked who are like shaft. Now, what's the shaft? It's like if you have some kind of a grain and you got the husk or the straw. And the way that you remember, you, you know about the winnowing fork and everything. They scoop it up and they throw it up in the air. Well, the grain is heavy enough to fall back down, but the shaft blows away. The wicked are like the shaft. Temporary. They're going to be blown away. Matter of fact, I think this, Bible, this, verse, this passage teaches they go to eternal destruction. So you got the way of life. You got the way of death. You've got the way of delight or the way of destruction. You've got the way of fruit. You've got the way of shaft. Here's my encouragement. Don't see God's word. Don't see God's word as a duty. Don't see God's word as a religious mechanism. See it as something to delight in. Don't see it as something that restricts you from what's good, but something that guides you to what's best. See God's word past what is written on a page that it's the heart of God, it's the mind of God. And wrestle with it. When you read it, chew on it as long as it takes to get what you need to get because it brings life. It's your daily bread. Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that comes from God's mouth. One more thing. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter what, what season you're in, God's word is the answer. If you're going through an incredibly anxious time, Philippians 4, meditate on it. Be anxious for nothing. How in the world can we never be anxious? By trusting God and taking everything to Him in prayer. Don't be anxious for anything, but pray about everything. Meditate on that for a while. You're struggling with your thought life. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, His perfect will. You're struggling with timidity when you're out there around the scoffers and the sinners and the ungodly. Timidity. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of love and power and self-control. Whatever your struggle is, God's word is the answer, I promise you. Dive into it. Now, maybe you're here tonight and you don't know him. You can't delight in his word if you're not on that path. And the only way to get on that path is Jesus. The Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us have turned against God to our own way. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus to all who believe. God proves His love for you and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sin has to be paid for by death. Jesus died to bridge the gap and pay the penalty for our sin. He lived the life that we could not live and He died the death that we should die. And He rose from the grave and He conquered sin and He conquered death. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you don't know Him tonight, if you're just trying to do the duty thing, there's no joy in duty. No joy in religious duty. 
But there is joy in relationship. There is joy in reconciliation. There is joy in sonship or daughtership. There is joy in Jesus. So if you don't know him, you don't need me. You just need to talk to him and confess your sin and turn to him and ask him to forgive you. And I'm not talking to just the people who have all this like blatant sin. I'm talking to the people who grew up in church that are trusting in something other than Jesus. Now, maybe you're saved and you're like, man, I, I know what you're talking about. I've tasted and I've seen, but I don't feel white hot passion for Jesus. Confess it as sin and turn from it and seek his face and ask him to help you. Trust him. We get saved by grace through faith and we walk with Jesus by grace through faith. Wade said Sunday, you cannot do anything in and of yourself to please God. Jesus already has. Draw near to Jesus. Delight in Jesus and you're going to delight in his word. And if you delight in his word, you're going to meditate on it day and night. And he's going to transform your mind and he's going to guide you. All you got to do is follow. And sometimes following is scary. But it should be because it's faith. It's not what we know that we can do. It's what we have to believe that God will do if we trust Him. But I'm here to tell you, you will never be disappointed by walking close to God. Draw near. Meditate on His Word day and night. Let's pray. Father, all that we talked about, all that's been said, we need You to do it in us. Give us a heart for Your Word. Lord, help us to see you in your word. Help us to, to search out who you are and show us and speak to us and guide us, convict us, restore us, transform us. Bless us. As we live out your word, we know that it brings blessing. The consequences to Loving your word are a blessed life. Help us, Lord, to seek your face. And God, if there is someone in this room that doesn't know you, would you show it to them? And gently, gently, would you draw them to yourself and show them how good you are, that they may delight in you as well. We pray for your help. We confess our shortcomings. And we rest in Jesus. And pray in his name. Amen.